Hello, friends. We're back with This Changes Everything. I'm Sarah, and with me, as always, my co-host, Therapy Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Good. How are you? What's the weather like over there? It just, as they say, where it snows, dumped. (laughs) So we got like 10 inches of snow. And I was finishing up work and, you know, told my boyfriend, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be over in a half an hour. And then I, because, you know, my California native dumbass is like doesn't take into consideration that I'm gonna have to dig myself uh. out, and I totally forgot about that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and I was wearing like Vans, which are the worst oh, no. to dig your. Sh- so yeah, so I, I got a little lesson, a nice reminder mm-hmm. that I need to keep gloves in the car and wear some snow boots and tell people that I'm gonna be an extra. It's add an extra half an hour to uh. scrape the ice off of. The, the window. I'm saying work. this like this isn't what the majority of the country d- has to deal with. I'm like, oh, boo-hoo. So sad. I have to dig out myself out of six inches of snow. Meanwhile, like, Buffalo's buried in, like, 12 feet or something like that. Oh, so. no. Buffalo. And California's falling into the ocean. So I, I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. <laughs> is what... How's the weather over there? Oh, it's, you know, it's been raining for a few months. And... Yeah. <laughs> It's very gray in Portland, Oregon. But, you know, it's like it's real cozy. We're all doing nothing together, kind of like hibernating and putting in our minimum efforts, you know, just to kind Mm. of like get through the day. So, you know, I, I enjoy it. I like these like really short days. I like just kind of like having an excuse to just like watch TV or play video games and not too much. Oh, are you watching anything good right now? Mm, no. So I'm oh. on maybe the 15th time going through Seinfeld. Although, you know, oh. I, I think I might, I might like switch it up and start watching the league for like the fourth time. Did you ever watch the league? I did. I loved that. Yeah. 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 That's a so, good one. Yeah. So I'm not like watching anything new. I'm just watching like old cozy okay. favorites. He likes, he likes Seinfeld and the league. All right. What are your go-to, like, shows that you watch over and over again? Oh, well, this is silly. I, mm-hmm. my, I, my, com- my television version of comfort food is Bob's Burgers. Oh, yeah. I love that show mm-hmm. so much. And I'm convinced they're the healthiest family that there is <laughs> on television. I think you could make a pretty good case for that. Actually. I can. Yeah. For sure. They all, they communicate so well. They right. always have each other's back. They mm-hmm. allow each other to be whatever version of themselves they mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. They're so supportive. They, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the best. It's super, super cute. And uh, Eli and I just go around the house talking, doing a impression of, of <laughs> any of the characters at any given time. <laughs> Anytime we like decide what we're going to do for the evening, we go, all right. Like, which is... <laughs> just make linda impressions so it's it's wonderful that's that's my go-to over and over and then i recently uh um started watching uh modern family that one was that that there's a lot of laughs in that one for me mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. really easy easy to watch very watchable. yeah mm-hmm. i like easy watching well i'll tell you i had to change it up because uh, around halloween i was watching all these like horror films oh, no. I did a number on my psyche for a yeah. while. I, I couldn't. It's kind of like when I watched Sopranos. I binge watched Sopranos and then thought everybody was conspiring against me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, th- th- they're definitely up to something. I got super <laughs> suspicious of everybody. I'm like, it's not me. It's Sopranos doing this to me. So I better stick to the lighthearted comedies. Be so. careful. And there wasn't there like there's some study where like if you keep watching a show over and over again – they start to like those characters feel like your actual friends. Like your brain thinks that you're seeing your friends. Like that's how your brain is reacting to the characters. If you like really bond yeah. with them, which is kind of cool and fun, but also like, Oh, I don't know. Like this feels kind of sad at the same time. Cause it's just sort of like yeah. a pretend friendship, but yeah. that's part of the reason we kind of like keep on going back to the shows it's that we, because they're, they comforting. feel like actual friends and it's very totally. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know, somebody who's been on TV, I can, I, I tell when pe- people would talk to me like, mm-hmm. and even on pot being on a podcast, I know. that people have this idea that they're like, oh yeah, we just talked. Even friends of mine are like, oh yeah, we just talked last week. And I'm like, no, we didn't. And they're like, oh right, I listened to your podcast. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's uh, my 
My very favorite podcast is called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. It's on Spotify oh, cool. only, and it's wonderful. And Rob Harvilla is this music writer, journalist, who's the podcast host. And he is one of the best writers I've ever read. And he, like, writes out the whole script for each episode where he does, like, an episode on a different song from the 90s. It's now up to, like, it's, he's going up to 90 songs that explain the 90s. But he is being clear about how he is stopping at the 90th song, and he is not doing it anymore. And I'm going through grief because I'm going <gasps> to miss Rob Harvilla. And I feel like he's the same age as me, same generation, same musical taste. Like, I have found my person, and he's going to disappear on the 90th episode. And I'm having a lot of, like, issues with that maybe if you just write in enough that he <laughs> he will do a season two of 90 more songs because i can oh, think of a lot of them I, there's so many but he's like no that's not gonna happen so what i did okay. is like i'm gonna use my Accepted. celebrity yeah and ah. I, I contacted him through instagram and he responded so i was like ah. well maybe i can make him an actual friend if when yes. the podcast ends yes listen yeah. to the dms there yes, you go exactly. nice Yes. Sarah, well, what are we talking about today? Yeah, let's get to some of the good stuff. Okay. Uh, what are we talking about today? We are talking about... Oh, this is a fun one. I watched a video of yours mm-hmm. that was four things a relationship therapist wants you to keep in mind before getting married. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting married yet, but I do th- <laughs> I do think I'm... Cut, like, we're almost at like a year together. And after like a year, you know, at, so long. at this age, it's like... And we live together pretty much like, yeah yeah it's i technically kind of like... still have my apartment but i don't it's like an airbnb over here so <laughs> you know i don't have any things in it it's just exactly. <laughs> uh so i feel like 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 the you know i'm at i'm at the place where maybe i want to kind of think about some of these questions sure. and also these are questions that i also think you can talk about at any or kind of keep in mind mm-hmm. at any stage in the relationship Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if it's just sort of like defining the relationship and you're going to be exclusive with somebody or if you're like looking for a long-term relationship, whatever, like these are things, these are like four really kind of basic things that I came up with that if you don't think about it, they sort of haunt you throughout the relationship. Good point. <laughs> and it's like you can either deal with them in an honest way right now or you can deal with them when they feel like dealing with you like at some random time in the relationship and it kind of like hits you across the head or something um so so i think that these are important things to consider there's like so many other important things to consider but these are these are also based off of like what i talk to my couples about and couples counseling mm-hmm. This comes up all the time. So I was like, oh, here's a really easy four-point list that we can all consider. You would say these are things that you hear from couples in ther- currently in therapy. Yeah. Like yes, like they, things that you kind of like through working with them said, oh, these are maybe... These are the issues that are causing them to come into couples therapy. Got it, got it. <laughs> these are the, yeah, because they didn't really deal with them on their own or they didn't have a conversation together about it or it's kind of they didn't realize like how big of an impact it was going to have. So these are like common um, conversations that I've been having for almost yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's dive right in. Number one, when you choose your partner... You're going from what feels like unlimited partner choices to no choices ever again, assuming monogamy. Mm -hmm. So saying yes to marriage means saying no to everyone else. And I love that you said it is healthy and important to grieve the loss of everyone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm... And so this is, so we're kind of like imagining a monogamous relationship, but even if you're not in a monogamous relationship, you're still, you're like yeah. prioritizing this one person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it kind of makes sense. It's sort of obvious, but like you really kind of like need it to like emotionally impact you because it's very exciting to like say yes to your person. I'm getting married. I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you and you can focus on all the positivity and all the lovely things about that. And I want you to, but realize you're saying no to everybody else. And there's, there's also this like sort of whatever fucked up thing that's like happened to our culture because of like dating apps where we're just totally. like, we can always just go and keep on swiping and swiping and swiping. And there's like endless options. Cause it looks yeah. like it really feels like there's endless options. So there's sort of the, like, it's one of the things that I struggle in with like in long-term relationships is just like, but what if there's a better match? 
<laughs> what if I should leave my person and find a better match? Well, maybe there is. There probably is. There's like so many amazing, wonderful people out there. I can probably match up with like a lot of folks. Um, yeah. But if I'm if I want to be in one long term relationship for the rest of my life, I have to grieve the possible better matches, and it's hard to do. You know it. Absolutely. And I think just even putting intention towards it and even just recognizing that you are going to be like saying no to everyone else uh, relieves a little bit of that anxiety so that it doesn't sneak up on you. It doesn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, I have I have a lot of friends who have expressed that when they got very close to the date of getting married their partner like freaked out Mm -hmm. and would do behave like do things that were maybe outside of their normal behavior where Mm -hmm. normally they wouldn't be talking to somebody else or maybe they like talk to somebody that they knew before you guys got together or something like this as i think that's like this panic that comes in if you don't address Mm -hmm. that and if you aren't you know really like aware and I ask myself, you know, cause there is that feeling of like, is there something better around the corner? Like I had, I had to ask myself, what is the goal? And Eli, mm-hmm. if you're listening, I did not ever think that there was something better around the corner <laughs> for you. You are the best thing that there is. But I like, th- I think that that, that helps like to think, what is the thing that I ultimately want? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Cause I don't panic of, did I choose the right person? I get into a panic of, of oh my gosh, I'm going to have to live with somebody forever. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Like, I'm never going to live alone again. Mm -hmm. And part of me is like, I love living alone. I mean, I could. We could negotiate that. And it'd be no, like, that would just be a different normal for us. But that thing kind of, you know, panic, I get in a little panic. And then I remind myself, what is the thing that you want more than anything? Oh, yes. A deep, committed partner and relationship forever that will be there to like you know play cards with you when you're 80 on your front porch yes and uh and then i kind of settled oh right right this is what i chose this is what i want but Mm -hmm. i have to run through that or you you know yeah that panic comes in oh my god there's so much panic and also (laughs) like there's probably when you're in a long-term relationship there's going to be opportunity to cheat and like yeah. one of the main reasons mm-hmm. we cheat is because we're presented with the opportunity. There's other right. stuff that's probably going on. But if you like have decided that you're going to say no to any other opportunity, then you don't have to like negotiate with yourself. Like, oh, well, should I, or will I, or like, oh, there's like issues that are going on in the relationship. Like, no, you, you've like decided that you're going to say no to everybody else, which means that like, you're not going to date anymore and you're not going to do any cheats. Um, cause there's like one of the things I feel like one of the reasons that sometimes people cheat is cause they feel like they just, they deserve it. <laughs> like yeah. they deserve to like there's it's just there's this opportunity and they can just do it one time i haven't had sex with anybody at like i just i deserve yeah. this it's also it's a little bit narcissistic or grandiose or something yeah. but if you've like made the decision that that's never going to happen again then you might not have to get into that weird like negotiation with yourself yeah. about whether or not you're going to cheat on somebody like don't cheat obviously like it's not good but this is helpful for when you're presented Absolutely. with the opportunity if you're going to do a cheat. Yeah. yeah. And I can remember the mo- like I I can remember thinking if I don't get divorced, I'm mm. 6 months away from cheating on this person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really knew I was like because I f- I would feel like, you know, I deserve it. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Or when I was like, mm, I want attention from somebody else that I'm not getting from mm-hmm. my partner and no matter how I if, try to say or try to, to communicate how mm-hmm. I want uh, uh, attention or the attention I'm seeking. I'm still not getting it. So I'm about to go look for it. And it would have felt like I'm deserving of this in some yeah. way. And for me, like before I got divorced, I was thinking like if I was presented with the opportunity, I might cheat because like I want to experience the part of me that I'm not experiencing in my marriage. And yeah. so if somebody else can bring that out in me, then maybe I would like cheat on my wife. Luckily that didn't happen. <laughs> but like, I think that if I would have like stayed in the relationship for even longer, yeah. I'd have to battle with that urge. Yeah. 
that's a whole, maybe we can do like a whole other episode on cheating and why people do it. But like, Ooh, that's a great <clears throat> idea. I yeah. think there's a lot to unpack there. Yes. Yeah. Look at us just producing it while we're doing yeah. one show. next week. Producing the in. next one. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love, I love that, that question. I think it's really like an important thing to even, uh, mm-hmm. you know, recognize like in the, in the other person, like allow your partner mm-hmm. to grieve that loss as well. Like, that's okay. Yeah, but it's weird though, right? Like you're going to, like when you grieve it, you're going to feel sad. You're going to feel sad that you're never going to like experience that new relationship energy with anyone else. That you're going to experience the novelty of like dating somebody new. That you're going to like experience the fun anxiety or uncertainty of like, ooh, what's going to happen? What's going to develop here? You're you're grieving a lot. You're like, and it's also it also might be connected to your youth. So you're also grieving your youth of like being like dating and and getting out there and you're kind of like really leaning into adulthood or something. There's like so much attached to it. Right. So yeah. now that you think of that, even like where you're going to live, like I've always had in my mind, like, Oh yeah. When I like partner up, I'll move to a place that's a little more, you know, Mm. outside of the city and Mm -hmm. your lifestyle changes. You're grieving an entire lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a wonderful, amazing thing that's happening. You're committing to your partner. This is fantastic. And there's a lot of sadness and it's hard to hold like the excitement and love Mm -hmm. and the sadness and grief inside of your body at the same time. And I don't know. And it's up to you all. If you feel like you want to process this with your partner, because it might be a really weird thing. Like if you yeah. talk to Eli and you're like, let me talk to Eli about all the other dudes or oh, all the other people. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not I do joke with him about like how are, are you sure you're okay with these boobs for the rest of your life? <laughs> I know you're a tick guy. So I like, I'm like, you can look at all of them. Go ahead. Whatever you want. Cause like, I can only offer so much in that department. He yeah. jokes. We joke. But, <laughs> it's a good one. Yes. But it's also yeah. like it's underneath that, it's just like, Eli, yeah, yeah. this is the body that you're going to be it? doing it to for the rest. Like, are you, you want to do this? Like, you want to sign you up wanna for it? You want to do this? You know? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to grieve all the other bodies that you're not going to have sex with. And that's like a legitimately hard thing to do. So we need to like make space, probably talk to your therapist about it or a friend or something might not be the best to talk to your person about it. You know, I like that. That's good advice. All right. What's number two? Number two. Okay. So settling down. So I stole this one. I'm just going to be transparent about this. I stole this one from your boy, uh, Dan Savage. Okay. Oh, listen, this is what we do. And what is, what's new under the sun? <laughs> exactly. Settling down means settling for. That's what he says mm-hmm. all the time. So get ready to accept all the annoying and stupid and what you think is illogical behavior <laughs> from your partner. And remember, you're not going to get every need met and that's okay because you'll never get all your needs met in any relationship. I wish that you got all your needs met, but like you're with another person who's imperfect and flawed and can't read your mind and doesn't know how to give you. And it's also like sometimes like the, I wish you just gave me unconditional love or I wish you just like met all my needs. You're kind of like wishing that maybe your mom or dad did that for you. And you deserved to get all of that from your parents. Although that's also impossible. Like (laughs) your parents are not going to love you. Man, it's such a, Hard pill to swallow, therapy, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, settling down means settling for all the fucking bullshit that you're going to have to accept, like all the limitations and your partner, like will probably get closer and closer to figuring out how to like meet all your emotional needs Mm -hmm. and mental or maybe even physical needs or something. But there's going to be like fantasies that you're going to have that you're not going to be able to play out. There's going to be like deep conversations that you're going to, that you're going to want to have that they're not going to quite be able to give you. So one of the things that like, Tell me if this works for you or if this could work for you in your relationship. So like, you know, you're feeling upset or sad or angry or whatever. You want some sort of like emotional support from Eli. And he's like, Eli is such a sweetie. We love Eli. Like Eli is going ahead and giving all the support in the best way that he can. But maybe he's not giving it in the exact way that you want it. Are you able, like, do you get frustrated and let down? Or are you able to be like, well... He's trying so hard and I love this for him. Like, I'm going to go ahead and like focus on like the intention of him just trying to be there for me, even though it's not perfect. I try so hard to do (laughs) the latter 
to you. And it depends on what you have to catch me at the right time. Like if mm. I'm hungry, mm-hmm. then, then I, everything is thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. But I do real try to realize, first of all, that he's not a mind reader. And I have to communicate things. And usually, you know, I'm getting better at at communicating them out loud mm. uh, closer to when I start thinking of the, the thing that I need so that I don't have that time where I'm just stewing mm-hmm. and uh, coming up with fake scenarios that yeah, aren't realistic about what he might be thinking and everything like that. Right. So, you know, for example, like this morning, I... I, I felt like I need a date. Like we go out and we do things together, but there's a different energy when it's like, you know, he's taking me on a date and Mm -hmm. I, I, it doesn't even need to be much. It Mm -hmm. just needs to be like, you know, I joked, I was like, it's like, uh, I take an extra 15 minutes getting ready and, you know, Maybe we do it when we get home. Like that. (laughs) You know, it's not, I don't know what I want. That's like so different. Like maybe we get a bottle of wine at dinner. Like that, that there's not much energy. It's It's an energy, right? It's like, yeah. So I, but I didn't, I, I told him in a way that was like jokey at first. Mm. And then when he joked back, I got upset Mm -hmm. and I was like, did, you know, this annoying pouty face that maybe I should just stop doing. And, uh, and I was like, no, you need to take it serious. And then I realized that I wasn't taking, how can he be, uh, you know, how can I make him take things serious when I'm modeling, not Mm. taking it serious because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm scared that he's going to somehow let me down or, or reject this need. Or if I just asked for what I first, I find out what it is, ask myself what it sure. is that I really need. And then just, and so I said it clear. I was like, you know, what I really want is mm-hmm. a, a dinner that looks like this and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, where do you want to go? And I go, nope, that's not it. <laughs> it's when you, I should have added, you also plan it. <laughs> and uh, when I said it clearly, he's like, got it on it. And we have date night tonight. So, but I had I to, that. I had to like take a moment to realize that I was, Mm-hmm. You know, n- like not giving him an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had to be like, oh, he's trying. He's showing me. So, yeah, that answers your question. No, that, that like it's that he's trying, you know, like yeah. he's trying his best to meet my needs. I'm also like responsible and trying to communicate them as clearly as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, and we have to settle for the fact that like our partners are not going to mind read and be able to like figure out exactly how to comfort us or, or organize the best. And you know, now that I'm thinking about this too, Mm -hmm. I think it's important to recognize that in environments and different scenarios, like they may be able to meet your needs in, you know, some environments and some scenarios, but not others. You know, Mm -hmm. I think about like how, you know, like maybe somebody is so helpful with the kids mm-hmm. and so good at like recognizing when you need a break, mm-hmm. but they are terrible at giving you birthday presents mm-hmm. or like, can't, you know what? Yeah. Let's just like give them the pass because nobody's going to like be the best at giving you birthday presents and make all the kids dinner and like, and mm-hmm. take care of their own needs without feeling burnt out. Like it's mm-hmm. just, we're just gotta like give people a little bit of like, credit you got to you got to settle for what they can give you and decide if you can settle for it and like yeah i feel like my perfect match would be like dating my clone basically like i think like i think i'm the perfect partner and that's exactly who i want to date and that's not available to me unfortunately that's so funny i would never want to date me you would never date your clone no I'm, I want the complete opposite. I, I want what Eli provides, which is so much structure. And like, I, I was, I borrowed his car when I went snowboarding the other day and I borrowed his car to go up to the mountains and I get in his car and it's like, you open the glove, the, the center console 
and the gum is in the same place that it always is. And the tissues are in the mm. same place they always is. And if you need a spare cord, it's right where it needs to be. And there's no clutter. They're, like, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the gloves for, like, scraping out the car. And there's no extra stuff in the car. And it gets cleaned. And... I called him on the phone. I'm like, I just want to say, I just love how you are. Like, this is what I need in my life. And this is like, provides me so much like calm and peace. And like, I need somebody who's going to be like, this is how we load the dishwasher. Mm. And there's only one way to do it. Okay. Somebody who can like balance you out. Yes. Cause I am a tornado. It's interesting because, yeah, I am the perfectly balanced person, so that's why I want to be with me, another perfectly balanced person. poor Eli. You see, I tell him all the time, you're you're settling for this. Just so you know, you got to accept all these annoying things. (laughs) It seems like he's he's into it so far. He's so into it. I love it. It's the best. Um, I'm lucky. Yeah, you are lucky. And I I hope that we can all be as lucky. Yeah, I failed so many times. Listen, you deserve it, though. Yeah, I deserve it. You totally deserve it. Yeah, (laughs) we all do. Um, Okay, number three, you're going to get majorly triggered and upset by your spouse, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Getting triggered is an opportunity for growth. I love that. And it's an opportunity for a corrective experience from a person who loves you Mm. and uh, who didn't cause the original trauma. So don't pass it up. I love this. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's something that I talk about a lot in my like therapy Jeff videos where like it's not about finding somebody who's never going to trigger you. That's impossible. Totally. Um, it's about finding somebody who you can be triggered by and then who can like hold space for you, love you, comfort you, empathize with you, like process things with you, right? Cuz like the closer you get with somebody, the more you're going to be triggered by like all of the trauma, all of the intimacy issues, all the baggage that you're coming into the relationship with. And like it says that like, you know, this person they didn't cause the original trauma. So oh, yeah. So, but that's really hard to remember in the moment because it feels like that person is unsafe. It feels like that person is going to cause, continue to like re-traumatize you in the same way that you've been traumatized in the past. So you have to kind of like be as thoughtful and mindful as you possibly can and be like, no, this person loves me. This person's not going to abandon me or shame me or hurt me. Like they're just like here to love me. And so if I can like really just like lean into that and trust them and feel safe with them, then those traumas like can start to heal and it can be a really corrective experience. The best experience. Mm. It's very hard to do this like mm-hmm. without a lot of intention or without a therapist or without, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, some good journaling skills or something mm-hmm. because, you know, I think I, I like asking the question, even reminding myself the question, uh, how did your caregivers respond when you did something wrong when you were little, when mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, uh Got when you had the idea that they were upset with you, because mm-hmm. we have this fear that that is how our partner is going to respond, mm-hmm. and it's so uh, it's so often not that mm-hmm. almost unless we're like playing out the same relationships, sure. like, and it's unhealthy. But right. even then, it's like just recognizing what was the way what what was I scared of? You know, oh, mm-hmm. I was scared that. I was going to get in trouble and if I wasn't perfect. So is this one of those situations where I've messed up and I have this idea that I'm going to be in trouble for, uh, uh, I don't know, something that a little kid, what, what is, mm-hmm. am I responding like a mm-hmm. little kid? And yeah, we got to like comfort that. It's that question. It's, it's such a good question of like, how did your parents or caregivers <sighs> respond to you when you're in trouble? And also, I like to ask, like, how did your parents show you love? Because you're probably going to, like, that's what you think love is. And maybe they showed it in a really healthy, secure, consistent way. And I love that for you, but you're so fucking boring. Um, (laughs) I love when you say that. It's my favorite. Because I'm like, yay, not boring. (laughs) Exactly. No one's going to write a TV show about you. You're so uninteresting because you're so fucking secure. Um, And I'm just really actually jealous of you. Um, And also the other question is like, when you needed comfort, 
how did your parents give it to you? Did they ignore you? Did you feel rejected? Or were they like, did they sporadically give it to you? Because a lot of times when like you get triggered, there's like this sort of like child, little inner child inside of you that like wants to get comfort, but you're afraid that you're not going to get it. And so when you were a kid and you didn't get that comfort, there was some sort of coping mechanism or defense mechanism where you'd be like, well, then I don't need it. Or like, fuck you. Or I'm going to go, or like, I'm going to like cry and be weepy. I'm going to be like loud and really exaggerated. And then you start to like act that out in your relationships. But if you can just allow your partner to give you love instead of like having to like do some weird coping mechanism or defense mechanism. So healing, you can also do this in therapy. Like your therapy will give you like this unconditional regard and care. Um, so you don't have to have a okay to open up and say all the bad stuff. You know, I can't tell you how many clients apologize for Mm. telling me things that are really honest about themselves. And I'm like this, you don't have to apologize. That's like literally what you're paying me for. (laughs) So you don't have to do that here. This is what, this is the good stuff. Mm -hmm. You can feel safe doing this. And then I think a lot of people think that they're the only ones who, Mm. you know, feel like that or, or people that try to avoid all of those conflicts like i i don't want to do that but i love the expression uh smooth seas never made a skilled sailor Mm. so it kind of feels like you're going through that that these little mm, challenges these these Mm -hmm. emotional things we've got to kind of overcome are Mm -hmm. like little storms that you go through with your partner and just like a team like I don't know, managing a sailboat in storms would get so good if Mm -hmm. you like, I don't know, went through some tropical storms together. Yeah, exactly. You really like learn how to handle these like really difficult experiences. Yeah. Um, And and then you come out stronger and you come out like afterwards, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that together. That was so good. And you can rely and support the partner, you you know, totally. And you learn almost like a a way to, uh, you know how people say like a good couples don't, it's not like they don't fight. They just learn how to fight. Well, Mm -hmm. they learn how to like, you know, it's really just communicate. Well, we need another Mm -hmm. term for fight. That's like light fight, light, like disagreements, (laughs) whatever. That's like not enough. Um, but yeah, like you learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. And a lot of times like, you know, sometimes it's obvious when you're triggered. A lot of times like, you can be like kind of black and white about it if you want. Like, are you triggered or are you not triggered? Um, and mm-hmm. if you are triggered, how can you like become less triggered so that you can communicate Ooh. and be able to like resolve these problems? But I also want you to pay attention to like the subtle ways that you get triggered. So one of the ways this that I so get good. triggered. Yeah. One of the ways that I get triggered is that like sometimes if I'm having like a really emotional like vulnerable connecting conversation with a partner and I'm starting to feel really close. There's something inside of me that's just like, Oh fuck. Oh no. Like I, this is too close. Uh, something is going to go wrong here. I can't count on this. Like this feels too uncomfortably intimate. And so the, like I'm getting triggered and I'm, and it's happening in kind of like a subtle way that I don't even know. And the thing that I do in these situations is I make a joke and the uh-huh. joke makes it so that, like, we're not vulnerable anymore. We're laughing. And right. I'm, I'm just adding levity. Look at me. I'm such a funny guy. But what I'm doing is av- avoiding vulnerability. I'm avoiding, like, real secure attachment. I'm getting in the way of, like, being really intimate. And I'm so good at, like, adding a little bit of levity that, like, the person that when I make the joke, they start to laugh. And, the, and it just sort of, like, breaks everything. So pay attention to the little uncomfortable things that you experience and how you kind of like get out of that. There was, there's been like some partners, a handful of partners that are like very perceptive where I've like, we're really vulnerable. And then I make a joke and they're like, where are you going? What's like, what's happening? And I'm just like, oh my God, I want to crawl out of my fucking skin right now. Like, wow. Like, Why yeah. aren't you present with me anymore? And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to definitely sabotage this relationship. It's way too real. <laughs> you see too much. You know too much. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Um, okay. So you notice more of like your reactions in those moments. I and do. And those kind of tell you that you're being triggered. 
exactly. Because I don't even really know that I'm like triggered sometimes until I do the triggering behavior. Right. And I'm like, oh, I just totally fucked this up. I like ruined a really sweet moment by trying to be a little clown. You know, and, yeah. I don't think that there's ever uh, uh, where I don't think it's ever too late to say that mm-hmm. in that moment to mm-hmm. you know because sometimes we do just notice you know clients talk to me about this all the time and it's like a stage of therapy we go through where they're like i i knew it i know what Mm. i shouldn't have done Mm -hmm. i heard myself in my head say don't do it and then i still do it and then what do i do now i'm like that's a that's a that's a place don't worry Mm -hmm. you can right after you do that say Mm -hmm. you know what that was me trying to avoid avoid you're Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. just say i i should have said it's okay to self-correct and it's okay to say, you know what? I didn't say the right thing mm-hmm. right after you say it or whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also like, this happens all the time, like in even more obvious ways. I think that like you and I have probably like, I'm sure we've like experienced this a lot with our clients where they come in and they start joking and laughing about their trauma. And it's totally. hard not to laugh with them because they're great storytellers or they're like, they've told this joke a million times. It's totally yeah. funny. But like, if we can't just like laugh about everything, it's important to be able to laugh. There's like a lot of healing properties and laughter and everything, but like you're, you're avoiding what's like really going on. And so as a therapist, we have to make sure not to laugh sometimes when you're trying to make a joke. Cause we want to be able to like stay with you in a really vulnerable way. And I also want you to be able to do that with your partner. You know, there is an absolutely amazing, uh, comedy special, that's more of like a one woman show mm-hmm. that's by an Australian comedian named Hannah Gatsby and oh, it's called yeah. Nanette. Mm-hmm. So and good. she talks. It's so good. If you want a, an expanded and funny mm-hmm. and touching, uh, 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 I don't know, carry on of this conversation, then check that out because it, you, it really hits on, on kind of why we do that and the punchlines and how, and like people's decision to not use their, their trauma as a punchline mm-hmm. anymore and how mm-hmm. it, it changes our relationship with the trauma when we do that mm-hmm. and can be very empowering. So, yeah, it's a really good yeah. Point. you know, as I was thinking, as you were saying that, like about noticing those triggers and noticing when you get triggered and I feel it very physiologically. Mm. I feel it. I notice when I'm triggered, when I get that feeling like I had, you know, when I had to say, no, I'm not joking right now. When mm-hmm. I get this feeling like I want to cry. Mm. And it's often when somebody like, when I feel like somebody's dismissing a feeling of mine. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're dismissing the feeling is because I'm, I'm like setting them up to. I'm not even giving them the opportunity to Mm-hmm. respond to it in a healthy way because i'm not communicating it in a healthy way but i get this lump in my throat mm. that makes me feel like i can't speak my truth mm. and then i get the feeling like behind my eyes of of oh i need to cry right now and that's when you get the pouty face <laughs> so i recognize that and i'm like oh i'm doing it right now i gotta look at what i'm doing in this moment that is absolutely triggering me and making me upset and yeah yeah, just like saying that and being able to to i remember the what the the moment where things really changed i knew this relationship was different was when i was absolutely being triggered and not communicating my needs and eli was like what's happening right now you're Mm -hmm. becoming very defensive do you need a hug Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yes i need one so bad Mm -hmm. and just that that break was able to uh, I don't know, give me the reassurance that like, this isn't that original trauma because that wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. And that's why yeah. you, that, that's why I like how you and Eli are such a good match because there's, there's also like, so you're going to get triggered and you, mm-hmm. so let's say you have like abandonment issues, right? And you think that like yep. everyone is going to leave you. And so if you Check. get triggered, <laughs> so if you get triggered, you're like, oh, Eli is going to leave me. I'm yep. whatever. He doesn't like me anymore. But it's like 
such a great thing if like when you get if you're when your abandonment issues are triggered if your partner if he's getting if eli got triggered and he'd be like i need some space i need to get the fuck out of here that's gonna make your abandonment issues even worse right but if he can just be like oh he doesn't get triggered in a way where he needs space he's just like oh i'm just gonna be here right like now that's like such a good opportunity to heal because he's not doing the thing that you think he's gonna do but we re-traumatize ourselves over and over again when we like hook up with people that get triggered and just sort of like do the thing that we fear they're going to do. So if you can try to find somebody that like, if you get triggered, they're not, they're like, they're acting in like the opposite way that you would fear that they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I try to push, I try, I recognize that I almost try to bait my partners Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. that thing that Mm -hmm. I don't want them to do where I would, and I do it with a joke where I like, you know, it's like, oh, didn't we go there? And I'm like, oh, no, it must be with your other girlfriend or mm. something where it's like the mm-hmm. last thing in the world I want is there to be some other woman that, you know, is is taking attention or, or energy away. And so, like, I make I do that joke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I'm not getting enough attention. Yeah. Or, and it's horrible. Yeah. And I, I stopped and I was like, I, I can't. I As soon as I said, I can't do that. That's a horrible joke. And I shouldn't do that with you. And I noticed I did that with other people mm. when I wasn't when I really was fearful of that. And I did that as a way to like jokingly say what I really wanted to say, which is, mm-hmm. are you sure there isn't somebody else you're talking to mm-hmm. and get, and or I feel like you're going to, but it comes out as a fucking joke, like stupid. So yeah. we are so yeah, yeah. fucking, yeah. One of the things, another thing that I get triggered by <laughs> is that like, I, if, if I'm like, even if I'm just like on a first date and somebody is like doing a lot of the talking and they're not asking me a lot of questions, I'm just like, okay, so they don't care about me at all. Like this seems very clear. Like all of a sudden I'm triggered and I'm like, they don't want to know anything about me. And what I do is that I become even more quiet just to see if they keep on talking about themselves. So now I'm setting them up because now I'm like gone mute. <laughs> and like, of course, so they the, probably feel like they have to talk. Exactly. To fill the side. I would. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But now okay. but they're only proving the point to me that like, they don't even care about me or they just are going to like fill this, you know, yeah. all the stuff with like what, what they want to talk about. So I'm so like, like you're saying, like we sort of like set people up in these subtle and kind of obvious ways sometimes to like play out our trauma and your close relationship is a relationship where you should be getting corrective experiences and yes. not fucking doing that anymore. Although yes. I have compassion and for you. It's hard. It's so hard. And can, yeah. can I just like, this is just an aside, but on that same subject, my, in, in almost all the stories that I hear about people's worst dating experiences, like as an adult, like not when we're younger, but you know, mm-hmm. grown ass people dating is that the other person doesn't ask enough questions guys if you and and i mean guys all folks everybody <laughs> ask ask the other person questions just come up five pick five questions yeah but pick you, five can, questions. you can even say what's like the most awkward thing on this date right now there you go question number one like <laughs> because i hear that all the time i remember i went on a date a terrible terrible first date and then i gave him a second date what's wrong with me uh <laughs> Where the guy didn't ask a single question about me, and then I told him that I had two brothers, and he asked me where they went to school. And I was like, hold up. You have to ask me where I went to school before you ask me where the men in my life went to school. I was like, oh, God. It's like he was more interested in the the other people. It was so weird. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really... Easy thing to do to just like ask questions. Come, come with five. Look at all my stupid therapy Jeff videos about like questions that you should ask on first date. Whatever. There's so many. Or at minimum, if they ask you a question, ask them the same fucking question back. Like, stop talking. How about you? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like a conversation. Like, like we're playing a tennis match here. Right. They hit the ball to your side. You hit the ball back. Yes. Do better. There you go. We're doing the Lord's work over here. Okay, let's do the fourth one. So the fourth one, and this is um, admittedly, I am horrible at doing this one. This is, I'm like so bad at doing this, but I really hope that everyone else can. Number four, 
take a break and get some space if you've been arguing for more than 20 minutes. Even if it's just five minutes, separate and then come back together because marathon fights turn hurtful and eventually start associating bad or unsafe feelings with your partner the more that it happens. I'm I'm so bad at this because like I'm just like, let's process. Let's just like stay in this for as long as we possibly need to stay in this and like get to the other side. And it always feels like, well, I just need to say one more thing or like we're almost there. Like you're, you get, I get it. Like we're almost, but like it takes like three and a half hours to like get through it. Ooh. Uh, the problem is that like you really do start associating like negative things. Like the neurons in your brain are just like, oh, this person is upsetting. This person feels unsafe. This yeah. feels like I can't trust them. I get yelled at. I feel mean. Like do you like all of a sudden the person that like you want to trust the most turns into like your villain or your enemy, and you're just sort of like then like the more you do it, the more you get into these like marathon fights, the more your brain is ready to just go into it. You're just like, oh, this is what we're doing. Let's fucking go yeah. for it. You know? Oh, I mean, I don't want to brag. <laughs> okay. Am I kidding? Yes, I do. <laughs> this one I crush it at. Really? Look at you. Yeah. Cause I need to take some breaks cause I feel like I need to collect my thoughts, especially mm-hmm. it feels almost like ADHD, like mm. in fights. Mm-hmm. I, I I got, I I have to like stay on one topic. So I need to like take those breaks. And I love, I I always say like no, uh, a peace treaty was ever signed on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And so this is, if we're battling, like this is not the place to be coming up. And I only want to like work in peace treaties and Mm -hmm. like negotiations, not in like swords drawn fighting. Mm -hmm. So like that time. And I feel like it always helps if people are seated when they're having these discussions. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I feel I like when that. standing, especially if there's even like people use their body and use a lot of like, and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that ha- I have to be seated. And so I put a lot of intention into the argument. I think that's from being in, in relationships where we, it it was the it were those marathon fights. I think they mm. would go on for days. Like it was so exhausting. And I said, I am never going to be in a relationship again where we battle, where mm-hmm. we fight, where I'm never going to like raise my voice above, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I I just can't. It's too. It's exactly what you said. It starts like changing your brain, and it mm. starts. It, it feels so similar to what i saw growing up that it's terrifying and i'm mm-hmm. like nope can't do it. i we're not doing that mm-hmm. nope 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 yeah uh, yeah i love your boundaries <laughs> oh god i got a lot of pushback i remember my own family was like well that's just how we do things in our family and i'm like well, okay well i will not be doing that there's an interesting like, yeah there's the there's, some, <laughs> there, there's somebody this like internet therapist on instagram i love her i'm totally blinking oh i think her name is like sit with wit i don't know if this is the right one but um she talks about like um uh healing your relationships with like your adult children so like when you're a kid you grow up you still have this like fractured relationship with your parent you're both adults now like how do you heal that and she made some sort of you know she said something about like uh, it's not okay to be like, to be, to yell at people and demean people or be abusive or like raise your voice. I think she was like talking about like raising your voice. And then she got these sort of comments of like, you know what, what, that's what we do in our family or that's what we do in certain cultures or like, that's just how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, then I might be offending certain families. I still don't yeah. think that's okay. Like it's yeah. still not okay to like totally. raise your voice and be scary and, you know, mm-hmm. um, so it, that's it. And it's such an excuse. I've heard this so many times of like, this is just how we did it in our family. Right. That doesn't mean that it's okay. Right. You know, I, I, so much comes down to what's going on in the brain Mm -hmm. and we have such great tools now to be able to look inside there and find out what parts are activated. Mm -hmm. And if I told, if you said, it's just what we do. And I showed you how getting into those fights would look the same Mm -hmm. as somebody who's like fighting for their life or like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, in a going, doing something very traumatic that we could all agree is like not 
ideal and not and like so you're saying oh this is just what we do we just subject our brain to extreme situations that can cause lasting trauma that have these kind of effects i'm saying the same thing you are we're just going to go with that as the Mm -hmm. truth that you'd like to keep that you'd like to keep that going you know (laughs) my family used to always say well we're just worriers that's just what we do no Everybody has generalized anxiety disorder mm-hmm. that you're not, there isn't, there isn't such thing as worriers. That's like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, but there, those are, that's symptomatic of something else to the point where it's getting in the way and people have, you know, mm-hmm. like, come on. Or even just like, yeah, I tease the people that I love. I'm like the people that I love. I make feel horrible about themselves or, you know, it's just like, uh, maybe that's what you did in your family, but I, I don't want to experience that with you. Right. Yeah. We don't, we can't yell. You can, you can talk in love with, but it's, it's the intention and the, mm-hmm. the way behind it. So yeah, those are, those are, yeah. Any stage of relationship. I'm going to say these are good ones to kind of like think about in the back of your mind. Yeah. There's also and, uh, connected to this last one. I want to, there's like, have you ever experienced this, Sarah, where, where you like you start dating somebody and it's kind of like going kind of fast and then like very early on into the like dating or relationship, there's a lot of fights. There's just like a lot of fights oh, and yeah. disagreements and but you kind of like get into these fights and then you like resolve them ish. Like you kind of like work through them, but there's, but just like, there's never really like a long honeymoon period. Cause there's just like a bunch of fights. All these little fights actually kind of like create this sort of like false sense of intimacy where it's just like, mm-hmm. look, we're really like, we're getting into fights, but then we like resolve them and we repair them. And then we like get along, but then we get into another fight the next day. And it's so like that, this is something that I have to remember for myself too, because like resolving a conflict does feel like very emotionally close and does create like a feeling of intimacy. But if there's a lot of fights in the first weeks or months that you're together, oh, that is a bad sign, people. Yes. It's going to probably yeah. get worse, right? Yeah. Or yeah. it becomes the way that you, like there, it becomes a pattern. It mm-hmm. becomes in order to have the intimacy and the closeness and connection. Mm-hmm. And you could be not totally unaware that you are creating this pattern. You're mm-hmm. basically creating a habit because you're rewarding a behavior. Mm-hmm. You're, there's a, and I th- we've talked about this before about what creates a habit where mm-hmm. you need the cue, the action, and then the reward. Mm-hmm. So if the cue is, uh, you know, we're feeling disconnected, the action is, uh, we start arguing about something that doesn't even matter or maybe does matter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we resolve. And then the, the reward is we get that intimacy afterwards. You will keep repeating that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is dramatic. That is traumatic. That is like not the way to be in relationship, especially at the very beginning. So remember that. Yeah. Well, thank you for this list. This this has been wonderful. Uh And uh, Eli, uh, gold star. (laughs) Eli gets the gold star. For sure. Uh, Okay, Sarah. It was good talking to you. You too. And we'll see you guys next time on This Changes Everything. Bye.